that what we're saying? That's the old term. Do you say that on podcast sound speeds? I guess it's I a set know. thing. Is it just not cricket? We don't do that. I don't know what they do on podcasts. I've only been on one. This one. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't either. I have no idea. All right. Hello, everyone. Hello. It's usins. So apparently today, Andre is having a bit of a. What's going on with you today, Andre? You eating your dinner while you're doing this thing? Tell us what, why you eating your dinner while we're doing the podcast. I have a very good explanation. Here's uh-huh. what happened. All right. So I get home around seven because that's my life. I get home at seven p.m. Um, <clears throat> I start to make dinner. I had this new recipe that I found from like the Tasty app. It was like orange chicken from Panda Express. I was like, oh, I love orange chicken. Let me try to make it. And so I bought all the ingredients and everything. And I've got the oil like heating up, ready to fry my chicken. And then I, I look at it and it's like there's like more and more smoke coming out. I'm like, oh, shit, because I don't want to set off the fire alarm. Because I've done that before, and it sets off the entire building. Great. So I grab the pot, and I, like, run to our patio and just sit it on the patio and just, like, let it air out and close the door. And then I was like, okay, let me just fry it in a pan really quick. I put it in a pan, fried it, and the dough was just did not want to fry. I don't know what it is. I can cook anything else, but if I try to fry something, it does not work. So it ended up just being, like... This doughy chicken mess. So I had to throw it out. Luckily, we had like a frozen version of like General So's orange chicken. And I wanted to be like authentic and make my own food from scratch. And that completely worked against me. At this point, it's like 9 p.m. So I'm like, I'm recording the podcast in 30 minutes. I'm just going to throw this in. And if I got to eat during the podcast, I'll eat during the podcast. I'll try uh-huh. to like not eat into the microphone. We could have waited. You want us to wait? No, no, no. No, no, no it's right. fine. No, no. I'll, I'll probably just like forget done, about it. What could he have done, Ian, to like have cooked his chicken better? I don't know. <laughs> you fry chicken all the time. No, I, I, I use the... Uh, like the Trader Joe's orange chicken, that's pretty easy. That's a good cheat. If you want to like make it at home and not have to fuck with like the batter and stuff, which is that's really tricky to do. That's hard to chicken. do. I mean, I grew up do it, but I haven't done it in a million years. It's really hard. But the 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 Trader Joe's chicken, the the sweet and sour chicken, that's bomb. But you have a special way of making it that it's awesome. It's almost as good as getting it. Well, I've tried to I've tried to fry. Um, like small pieces in in the wok, but it's it's because it's hard to regulate the the temperature. It's just you know unless you have a deep fryer or unless you know what the fuck you're doing, right? It's just hard to do. Yeah. Not me. Well, just know that you're still gonna make an excellent wife one day, Andre. <laughs> Don't you worry. Don't you worry. You have a lovely other attributes. I'm gonna so. be a, I'm gonna be a housewife. I'm not going out to work. That's right. That's right. And you know, a lot of the housewives, they just order out, you know what I'm saying? And you just put it yeah. in that pan and you act like you made it yourself. Well, I can, I, like I said, I can cook just about anything else because I learned all my cooking from my mom. And us Portuguese, we don't like fry a lot of things. No. Like if yeah. we're frying something, it's going to be like fish, you know, because right. we love fish. But yeah. But y'all now fry chicken over there in Portugal? No, we don't. No. We, do, we boil it. We boil the chicken. That's weird. A little bit. I just I don't know that much about Portugal, so I just assumed that you all fried your chicken. I just made a generalization about the entire country. <laughs> so That's we fine. have to like we'll get to know your culture as we do this podcast. 
All right. That's cool. Well, uh, you know, please eat away. I'll jab her for a while so you can have a few bites. I'll tell you what we did today. Absolutely fucking nothing. No, that's not true. The plan was I got it before you did. We had been on like a, we watched Ozark because we're going to do a podcast about Ozark tomorrow. So that came out season two. That was bomb. That was amazing. We were into it. Like two we, nights ago, we, we stayed up till five in the morning. Five o'clock in the morning because it was holiday weekend and that's what we did with our holiday weekends. We stayed up, we binge watched, okay? And we were tired as shit. So then, last night we finished Ozark, we finished the last three episodes. Like four episodes. Four episodes. Bomb season. And Andre, if you haven't seen Ozark on Netflix, you've got to watch it. Watch season one, season two. It's good. I mean, I know you're getting your learn on, and you're learning how to make fried chicken. <laughs> and, you know, trying to get your MRS at school. Just kidding. Uh, if you could watch season one all the way through season two, it, it, it's amazing. It's really cool. It's really good. Good characters, blah, blah, blah. So we do that. We're tired of shit. So the idea was, and then I went and kind of like, we couldn't find a good, you know how like you watch a good series and you come off of that and you just don't want the series to end. So we were rooting around last night and we really didn't find anything. Well, I, I started. Um, you started Sharp Sharp, sharp object. Objects. That was really heavy. But I was I was like tired. Yeah, but you got to watch that one. Like that's, whoo, that, that was hard, y'all. That's hard. That's really hard. Okay. So got to be in a good place emotionally if you watch that one. But you're going to you're gonna like that. It's like the center. It's heavy. So then you fade it out. And then for some reason, I just needed to watch The Great British Baking Show because I know Noel Fielding is on it from The Mighty Boosh and a couple of other things that I love. And this is the new incarnation of The Great British Baking Show. We're going to do a podcast on that because now we know Mary Berry left. And Sue and Mel. And this is the new crew because it was this big British hoopla about Mary and Sue and Mel didn't go over to the new show. It was like it was like network issues, right? It, it, yeah. It was like we were switching. Love, uh, Love production switched uh, networks. And Mary Berry's very loyal. And the other girls were loyal to Mary. So Polly, Paul Hollywood, who he, he created the show, okay? He took the show to a different... Network. I'll take my shit somewhere else. It's okay. It's his prerogative. I can't tell the difference in the show. No, I like. I do you know honestly. I kind of like this one a little bit better. Me too. I'm sorry, Mary. I love you. I there, know you have a CBE. There's a little. It's a little cheekier. It is cheekier. It was a little bluer. Yeah, it was more relaxed. And I like Noel and uh, and Sandy together. But that's that's for that podcast. Okay. So that's what we were doing. So the idea, Andre, we're going to tell it to Andre. The idea, Andre, was to get it to be super productive. So I was going to get it this morning. We were going to run over to IHOP so I can have my Weight Watchers breakfast for one point. Okay. <laughs> it tastes yeah. like rubber, but whatever. It's one point. And then we were going to roll over to the tenting place over, uh, where is that? What is that? It's Culver City near it's Fox Culver Hills City Mall. Culver City near Fox Hill Malls. Okay. So the ghetto mall. And the old hood mall. It's not ghetto. Isn't that ghetto? No. It's kind of nice now. When I was first moved here, it was kind of hood. Uh, you could get your head cracked open in the parking lot. I don't know. It's not ghetto. It's just people call it ghetto because it's... All right. Did I just say a very white thing? I don't know. I, we haven't been there in a while. Okay, anyway. But it's, it's a nice mall. Over by the Fox Hill Malls, which I'm told is an amazing <laughs> place, so please go there. It's the next Grove. So we go over there to the tenting place. <laughs> the, and the next grove. And the dude is really cool. And apparently he does a lot of tenting for celebrities, which, look, I don't care about that stuff. If you're not good at your job, I don't give a shit. Yeah. But he, I guess, all the NBA stars and the actors he had, he and had everybody uses a, him for a reason. Quite a few Lakers and Clippers. Well, the Clipper, the Clipper um, 
practice uh, facility is, is right there, literally across the street. So word about the spread about this guy's name is Robert. What's yep. the name of his business? Rob's uh, Glass Tinting. Rob's Glass Tinting in Culver City. This is not an ad. We're not getting paid for it. Uh, and he had a nice price on his stuff, but like Shaq goes there. Dude, Shaq's Kobe. shoe size is like the size, like the the width of it my chest. It was the size of you, dude. It's huge. I could sit on his shoe. So Robert, who runs this place, who's awesome. He's got all these celebrity pictures and stuff like that. But he was so great, and we loved it. So we got our windows tinted. Now, then I was, we were supposed to come back from – I didn't know we were going to get a window tinted right there. He said, we'll just do it. Y'all walk off. Then you tried to get me to walk to the mall. And I was in my fat jeans, and I had – you know, sweating down my, running, my, running down my ass quack, crack. And I don't walk in tight jeans. <laughs> I do not walk in tight jeans. I need to have loose-fitting clothes on. I need to know where the bathroom is. I need to be able to eyeball it from where I'm walking. It was at least it was it was if you it was half, at least half a mile. Yeah, and, and one so way. Ha- that, that, I can do that easy peasy when I got on like my 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 loose clothes, but not on my going out jeans. No. So then we went and found a little place and had some lunch. Ninety nine cent Taco Tuesday right. today. I had the zucchini uh, fajitas. Mm-mm. Wouldn't recommend that. That was a bad call. Mm, I hate zucchini. <laughs> oh, it was just, it was as bad as you thought it was. It was just limp ass. And then we go in, and, and Rob's almost ready, and so we get out of there, and it's almost 4.30 by the time we get home, and I was going to come home and finish, start painting the lockers, the TARDIS blue, and then I was going to write this afternoon. We did none of that. I was worn but out. But alas, none <laughs> of that happened. So we did the opposite of you did everything today and got home at like 7.00. God, I've wasted so many people's time just telling them about our day. That's fine. <laughs> and then, you know, the most productive things we're doing is this podcast with Andre, which, thank God, that saved the day. And then i got to watch Rami Malek on uh, Kimmel tonight. So <laughs> just, just, shiftless, just shiftless, useless day for us. So, But we got the windows tinted. We do. We do. They're actually... Um, we got a good price on them too. I was shocked at how three M crystalline seventy percent all the way around. Yep. So. so you don't get them UVs making you. He said, you know, your wife because he's a dark spin. He's a, he's a brown dude like you. He's Peruvian and Chinese, right? He said the people with the blue eyes, you know, they get hit by that sun. I'm like, I know I've been blinded my entire life. I would. <laughs> it was cloudy here today, and I was wearing sunglasses. Not to not to be a Hollywood asshole. I just I it, the light gets me. Um, you know, us white people. That's why we're going extinct. Anyway, that's what we did today, and I feel kind of embarrassed about it. We did nothing. I got to get up at the crack of ass tomorrow and like do some farm work or something. <laughs> well, you know, say <laughs> la vie. Say la vie. So here we're talking about cats in America, um. And how I love Captain America, by the way, as a mm-hmm. recent convert to MCU because of Andre. I never really paid much attention to Chris Evans because I get that white blindness. <laughs> um, and I want to explain that. It's not that I'm anti-white people. I am a white person. I'm just saying I've seen a lot of white people my entire life, you know, on the screen. And after sure. a while, they just kind of all run together. Mm-hmm. But um, I do like Chris Evans as Mr. Mr. Uh, Captain America. A lot. Yeah. And I had to go back after watching, because you know me, had to watch him backwards. So we had to, I had to go, wait, it's been so long since we watched the first Avenger that I couldn't even remember this movie from, what was it, 2012. I couldn't remember it. 
at mm-hmm. all. I had to go back and watch it again. So lead us into this big charge. We're talking. It's a trilogy, but we're also going to drop in and talk about uh, the Avengers. But lead us into this direction. Why are we talking about Captain America today? Because uh, I suggested it, and you were like, "Yeah." Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> I mean, the like, mystery. yeah, we're Solved. gonna go we're, for our listeners. We're gonna go movie by movie and talk about why they're so great. Um, but I don't know, like for me, Captain America was sort of my, I guess, entrance into the MCU. Um, I talked about it a little bit when we talked about, um, Infinity War, but Civil, Civil War was really what got me into the MCU because that movie, and we'll talk about it later, has so many elements that have been like built up in the past movies, apart from the fact that there's a huge, well, I mean, not compared to Infinity War, but like, you know, like you got 12 main superheroes with their own like arcs going back to the other movies. Mm. So that really made me want to see what this movie had going behind it. Like this was the culmination. I wanted to see, you know, why this movie was happening, basically. Um what was it about it that grabbed you, though? I mean, I know we're going to do an order, but like, I what don't was know. it specific? Had you had seen the other ones, right? I hadn't seen the other ones, no. Oh, you hadn't? I, okay. Yeah, I had, I don't know. I feel like I I was really taken with the Russo's direction and just the way, like, it sort of checked off all the boxes for me. Um, and, like, I just, I love the character of Steve Rogers. There's so much to him and, you know, how he's still, like, even in Infinity War, you, you still kind of feel like he's adjusting to being the man out of time. Right. Um, I don't know. And there's just something really interesting that, I, I don't know, just like really catches my eye, I think. Um, and of course, what also caught my eye in that movie was the relationship between um, Captain America and Bucky. Because like I said before, we don't get too much representation when it comes to, you know, male pl- platonic relationships. Um and the, these are some of the most emotional films in the MCU, I'd say, as well. Um, some of them do do really get into it, but I feel like Winter Soldier and Civil War, there's a lot of emotion and heart into it that I find really endearing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, then once I watched Civil War, I started going back, and then I finally saw... I think I saw Winter Soldier... I did the same thing as you. I went to see Winter Soldier, and then I went to see the first Avenger. Um, and the first Avenger, it's so, it's such an interesting film, mostly because it's just weird seeing Cap and Bucky in like the 1940s, knowing all of the the shit that they're going to have to go through. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of interesting. That's where I would almost recommend watching them in reverse order. There's just something yeah, you, you were like, oh, yeah, oh, dude, they don't even know. You get that, yeah. you get the explanation, the backstory, like, you know, of your of your character that you're already invested in, and you see that come up, and you're like, oh, wow. As opposed to, like, going through it chrono- chronologically. Well, there's Funny. something appealing about that as well, because that's not how life works. Like, we don't see, you know, what's going to happen in year- years from now. But when we're watching these movies, watching them backwards, you're sort of thinking about all this stuff that these characters are going to have to go through. Yeah, that was hitting me. I mean, again, I was almost like, I think I was live texting Andre when I was watching it. <laughs> I was watching it like on what, Saturday when you were at the beach or something. And uh, it was like Saturday or Sunday. It was, I was Sunday. Like, oh, shit. I was just like, <laughs> oh, snap. So, so was in this. This is happening. That's happening. 
he was trying to have his holiday weekend, and I was like, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is happening. Because uh, I'd forgotten all that stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. I saw this film so long ago that it's almost like I didn't see it. So seeing like how much he wanted to be in it and seeing kind of like this, I really what I found interesting about the first Avenger is just that whole gung ho propaganda thing. And I had yeah. totally forgotten that Tommy Lee Jones was in this and I totally yeah. forgotten yeah. the whole USO tour. And we, you, maybe we've said this before, you know, this about us, Andre, but every Thanksgiving, our tradition is to watch the band of brothers so we watched the entire um, series on HBO from the first time we get up in the mo- early in the morning, mm-hmm. and we watch it all day long. And then Christmas is the Pacific, so we watch that series. And so we're like big on. I also grew up with like war movies and World War Two and that whole next the whole Greatest Generation and stuff like that. And what I found it to be interesting about this was they had this kind of take on war that I found very interesting. It was like. They were trying to paint Cap as this big, you know, gung-ho guy out on tour. Mm -hmm. And then they were just getting their asses kicked. And there was – the undertone was just, you know, the real picture of war. Yeah. Is that it's hell and disgusting. And then then on top of fighting some regular Nazis, we got some, like, super Nazis. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, that's I don't know. Like, I, I really love the the propaganda thread because not only does it serve as like an organic way of how Cap sort of ends up in that costume to begin with, yes, um, and how his like fighting costume is like sort of has echoes to it. Um, I love the I love like the the montage scene of him like reading the speech behind his shield and like yeah, I don't know. It was it was really I don't know. It was really interesting, and I love I love like. You know, World War One, World War Two stuff, especially when it comes to like propaganda, um, and the film handled that really well. Not to the point that it was like very like heavy handed. Like you as a viewer knew that this this is what happened. You know, this is what was going on. And I'm sure if if we did have a real life super soldier, they def- that's exactly how you know. Even today, I feel like. I feel like even today, the America America would be broadcasting the fact that they have a super soldier. Sure, you know we would, especially with you know what's going on now. We have the best soldier, <laughs> the only soldier, best soldier in the world. Only this time he wouldn't be lying. <laughs> he was actually going. The only soldier yeah. we need to go to war. Yeah, but I feel like Steve Rogers. Wars, Steve Rogers we'll, would not put up with Trump shit. Chris he Evans certainly would just doesn't. Turn around and just you know he would just flick his dick off and be like, okay, we need a real man to be in charge, Pence. Yeah. No, not you either. <laughs> it would just go through Congress and just punch out all of Congress, and it would just be a pile of congressmen and senators just outside the Capitol, and him going out of the building going, is there anybody who can run this country? I feel like that's what I'm waiting for them to do in the next film with Cap. Did Cap disappear in Infinity War? No. No. Okay. So I figure Captain America is going to be running around, you know, looking for a few good men and women to help him out. I just, I'm expecting some good comedy to come from Cap, there's always so many opportunities. Uh, so I loved how they did it. You're right. Absolutely explain the uniform. Because if you see Captain America in this day and age, in this kind of jaded filter that we live in, you know, it's so easy to pick on him. And what I love about him is there's this unabashed sincerity mm-hmm. with him from that very first film, 2011, 2012. And, you know, you got the old grizzled Tommy Lee Jones, the CEO, going, well, son, I don't, okay, first of all, 
He puts him out there on the USO tour, and then he makes fun of him. Why does he do that? Because he like, doesn't see him as a real soldier. He doesn't. He just yeah. sees him as like, you. they made him up in a lab, and I watched it happen, and that's the only thing he's good for. Yeah. I didn't really get the leap of that. That was a weird yeah, twist it doesn't for make me. Se- it doesn't make sense because, I mean, if he knows he's a super soldier, why doesn't he use him? You would think so. And why put him out on the, you know... On the USO tour. Yeah, that made no sense to me. I mean, I know we had to like have a story, but I, I I felt like maybe that should have been given that task from that CEO. I feel like the better story there, just a little nitpicky, is that maybe somebody else would have ordered Cap on the USO tour, and Tommy Lee Jones CSO CEO would be like, "What a waste of a soldier!" What the fuck, man? He's a super soldier. Well, he I was think- supposed. Oh, go Sorry, ahead, go, go ahead, Ian. Go ahead. Well, he was supposed to be in the the lab. They were going to do tests on him. But he saved him from that. Well, but then, you know, they had that, that infiltration and the attack and the right. doctor gets killed. Mm-hmm. So I guess they, you know, there's no one else to do the research. He chased the dude down the street in a pair of capri pants, caught his ass. Yeah, they should. I, I, I don't know why they And then that. Tommy Lee Jones is like, you know, to be great, he'd just go around. See, somebody else should have had that task because the Tommy Lee Jones character would have been like, this is bullshit. He's a tank. Yeah. Use him. I think, I think the rationale behind it. Um, might have been that that the military was just so focused on broadcasting the fact that they have a super soldier on their side mm. and putting him in battle is like sort of risking that because the last thing they want to do is put him in battle and lose him and sort of face that humiliation. Because even when um, he goes out to that secret mission to save Bucky... You know, Tommy Lee Jones' character is obviously very against it because he was probably told not to let Steve go into battle. I guess he is a weapon of war that could be lost in the enemy's hands. Yeah, they were trying to use him as a as a figurehead. I mean, and I got didn't, that. And didn't really it. take into account yeah. how he could actually help out in the battle. That was my only little nitpick. I'm just saying. That was my little small thing. The other thing is, is that you have all of these super weapons that the Hydras have. You know, Toby mm-hmm. Jones and all those guys got all these, you know... And they got black and white monitors. I'm just saying. You got technology to blow everybody away. You don't have color monitors. You could have, like, that could have been, like, the other funny secret is that, you know, they're so evil, they won't even release the technology for, like, color monitors until much later. It's yeah, like this, is, this, is my nitpick, this is my nitpick of the film <laughs> is that it's very um, split up when it comes to its tone, I guess, because... I don't know if that was done on purpose because, like, on one hand, you have the characterization of Steve Rogers, you know, standing up for the freaking like propaganda commercials in the theater and and then ending up being beaten in the back alley because of it, and enlisting into the army under several pseudonyms, like, and trying to get into it as much as he can, like diving over a grenade, a fake grenade, because he thought it was real. And you have, like, this character study that's, like, really intimate and you really feel like you're close to him as he's going through this journey and when he becomes a super soldier and all that. And then on the other hand, you have this really, I don't want to say gimmicky, but really, I don't know, really um, interesting side of it. Like, you have, like, Red Skull and these superpowered machines and, like... I don't really know. Those those two things in the movie so don't really, I guess, gel with me. They feel like two yeah. different movies. Just I, I, I agree with you. I think that, you know, as much as I love Hugo Weaving, and, and I think that the Hydra thing was all clever and whatever, 
but yeah, I I felt like the villain the villain didn't live up to the 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 character they had built. They didn't they didn't live up to the Steve Rogers of this film. Yeah, you know, like the evil was so over the top. I don't know. I just that was the only thing. It was jarring for me. Again, love Toby Jones, love Hugo Weaving, love all of our baddies. And again, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like we we met our our guys. You know, his platoon, his one oh seventh guys, a little bit too late in the film for me. I, I would have like moved sure. that up a little bit mm-hmm. and made it more about them defeating whatever evil. I mean, I understood what they were trying to do. I mean, I wouldn't rewrite the movie. I'm not saying you know I'm going to go write my own fanfic and like change it around. Um, although I do need to read that fanfic you sent me. I got started on that stuff. That's some interesting shit right there. It's good, I'm isn't it? You, it is pretty good, actually. That person's a good writer. So, it's a little fanfic that Andre sent me. We'll talk, um, we'll talk about it on our... We'll talk about it. Our, when, yeah. when I'm done, we'll do, we'll do a little thing. We'll, so, I did, yeah, I'm with you. I felt like our baddies uh, threw us out of sync with what we had created because we were on this really great trajectory of who he was and this miracle of science and losing Bucky. And you're like, fuck, this is, you know, now I understand what happened to Bucky. I'm like, he showed up and he's like a member of Metallica and he's all fucked up and shit. Well, so anyway, I bet now you understand like Red School's cameo and Infinity anymore a little better. Totally. <laughs> I was like, oh, this makes so much sense. And all the ice jokes and uh, coming out of the ice. I'm like, what are they talking about? So... Yeah. But yeah, I feel like that was a jarring thing for me. They sort of miss, I feel like the film missed an opportunity because like Red Skull is you know, Dr. Er- Erskine, 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 I don't know. Stanley Ers- Tucci. Erskine. Erskine, yeah. He said like the the serum sort of amplifies the person that you are on the inside. So you have Steve that amplifies the good and you have Red Skull that amplifies the bad. So now you have like these really this really cool like parallelism between the prota- protagonist and the antagonist, but I feel like the movie didn't really know how to handle that. There was a glimmer of hope with that that I and this is what I appreciated about Red Skull a lot is that he really he really accepted himself. He really came into his own ownership. He threw away his skin mask. Was like, "Bitch, you need to accept me as I am." And I'm like, "Girl, that was very comic you know, booky." Like, the live skin your mask. truth, yeah. though. Come on, though. I, I I appreciated it. I'm like, live your truth, and that's how you're gonna be. All right. Uh, but it was it was the way it was executed. Yeah, it was a little bit too over the top. And of you course, what, I can never see Hugo weaving without thinking about him in the Matrix. You know yeah. what's interesting though? Um, the Russo oh, brothers said ears. that the Russo brothers said that now um, someone Thanos has come to Vormir to take the Soul Stone. That Red School is now free to leave. Yeah, there you go, Vormir. So we could be looking at more Red Skull in the upcoming yeah. films. I, and then I would welcome that. Maybe we give Red Skull another chance, you know? Yeah. Uh, I do, sliding into that first Avengers movie, you you see, because the uh, ca- first Captain America ends, he's working out, and Nick Fury comes in and goes, hey, I'm going to have a problem, and Tesseract is kind of... Uh, been stolen by Loki, and then he uh, we we trek trek with him and uh, Agent Coulson like fanboying, um, mm-hmm. Steve, which was very very funny. And Natasha was all in on it. Has he asked you to sign his box set of cards? And there's all these like really whimsical, lovely stuff that happens in those first few moments of like Thor jumps on board the ship and grabs Loki and takes off. And she goes, you know, you don't want to go after those Asgardians. They're gods. And it's like, I, that's not God, ma'am. And if, because he doesn't dress like that or whatever like, his yeah, gun yeah, yeah. There's, there's only one God, is. and I'm sure he doesn't dress like that. That's it. I was like, 
Oh my God! See, I love that they've in, they've done this thing with Captain America where he's just like this gung ho guy. Yeah. And then later on, Loki does an impression of of Steve, and he's like, "Oh, look at me!" <laughs> and I'm just like, "Oh my God!" Everybody's like doing this whole Steve yeah. Rogers thing. I love that. I love that they're just like. They make fun of him for being so apple pie gung ho guy. Yeah, he doesn't even he doesn't even really come off as like sanctimonious or anything. He just he's just like a little dusty on the times, you know. He's just got to catch yes, up a little is. bit. It's just like <laughs> when when uh, Coulson says Stephen Hawking, he's like, huh? Uh, like yeah, he doesn't exactly. or Pilates or like just basically anything. Yeah. Well, can I one. can I say about the the first Avenger? I love. Oh yeah, sorry, sorry. No, it's good. It's fine. Um, I love how the movie ended. Where, you know, Fury asks Cap if he has plans and he's like, yeah, I had a date. And then it just ends right there. Can we talk about Peggy for a second? I yes. freaking love Peggy Carter. Haley Atwell is my wife. I love her. She's mm-hmm. awesome in this movie. She freaking punches that guy. And <gasps> I love that scene. Put your right foot She's forward. just great. Yeah, she's just great, man. I love she her. She knocked him in the next week. Yeah. yeah, I loved her. Uh, I loved her so much. Now, here's... I can't, okay, so I might have some holes in my memory. So, he's on his way to his doom to shit-can the plane with the Tesseract and the whole mm-hmm. thing into the Antarctic. Cause, and no one can track him. And he doesn't really know where he is. So, like, that's how that all goes down. Yeah. And then, obviously, years goes by, and he's, what, 90 years old or whatever when he comes out of the ice. No, uh, I think... Doesn't... Um... Or is it 70 years later? Doesn't uh, um, Howard find him when he finds the Tesseract? They keep looking, and they find him, and he just they put him in that room, and he's in a coma or something. I they, think I think Howard Stark does end up finding him. I think they do, but what I'm saying isn't it much later? I yeah, thought it was yeah. soon after that that he wakes up much later, but they find him soon after that. He's just on. He's just sleeping. Well, the beginning of the movie is them sort of finding the ship and like his shield. And that's like in the yeah. present day. Oh. I thought that was all, that was modern day. And they found the, the whole ship and he was down there in the ice. I think oh. I would start trying track down the tesseract yeah he found yeah. the tesseract so i guess I he didn't he, find him yeah i don't yeah that's they found was, steve that's later because yeah. the tesseract melted and fell it fell before the ship shit canned into yeah them. you're right you're right yeah so it's like 70 years later obviously peggy's moved on as best she could you know she's never forgotten steve she's gotten married is there anywhere in these movies where before he gets in infinity war or wherever it was or mm-hmm. civil war where he goes to see her and she old they don't they don't yeah, they, see they each do. other again yeah the, no they do in winter soldier Oh, they do? There is that scene in Winter Soldier, yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about that. But she's old that. on her deathbed, right? She's old on her deathbed, yeah. She actually makes a, a surprise appearance in the beginning of Ant-Man, of all movies. What? Yeah, it's like in this flashback scene in the 90s, so she's like 40, 50. I need to go see that one. And she has like her own yeah. TV show. She has like the two seasons of Agent Carter. I watched like the first three or four episodes. Yeah. Oh, that's right. We did too. We watched the first season of Agent Carter, and I thought it was quite good. Yeah. I don't know why it's in around. Yeah. Um, and that's where I saw uh, Shield, Agents of Shield. That's where I first saw Ruth Nega. Became madly in love with her. She's my internet wife. Um, so okay, so we'll get to the Peggy question. But just in our just in our world, because I'm going to say this from First Avenger going into the next movies, can we safely assume? I know it's not in my business. Can we safely assume that uh, Steve Rogers is a virgin? 
I feel like he's the kind of guy who wouldn't have had he wouldn't have paid for sex. He's not that kind of boy. Mm-mm. I feel like he naturally wasn't pulling any tail because he was like shrimpy, you know. I just didn't feel like he's something much has gone on with him because he's an honorable dude. Like we have to be married, ma'am, before I can see your vagina, <laughs> and or sir, before I can see your genitalia. We need to. He had. He had well, the, after after Bucky died, he swore off sex. Um, no, <laughs> no. There is. <laughs> we can that go scene. with the Stucky thing all day long. I am. You know me. Yeah, we're gonna end up talking about that for sure. But there sure. is that scene in Winter Soldier where Natasha sort of asks asks him like, "Was that your first kiss?" Like that scene in the mall. And I feel like that was the the Russo brothers. That was a multi layered question. I think. I don't think they could flat out say, "Have you had sex since you came out of the ice?" Yeah. Um But that might have been like a little little nudge by the writers if he did it was no it was once it was once it was probably fast and furious he did have that he had that kiss with the um the actor who was in game of thrones there in the bunker remember oh, that that's true he did kiss her and agent carter caught him and she got, got all, all mad, she got oh, that's mad. Right. oh yeah yeah um oh what's her name i love her Natalie yes. Dormer. Natalie Dormer. Natalie Dormer, who's from Yes, we love her in Game the of Thrones. Yeah, I, for, I forgot no, she was in that. I, I watched First Avenger like a couple yeah, months ago. Yeah, this must have been before she blew up because, mm-hmm. like, that was a bit part for a woman who went on to be like the shit. Yeah. So, I mean, I think I'm not. I'm saying I think he's held hands and I think he's kissed, and I'm not saying that that you know that Steve hadn't had a handy or something. I'm just saying. I feel like that dude is a virgin because there's a lot of self-righteousness going on with that shield throwing and the way he walks around. <laughs> I feel like Steve would wait for the right girl. I think he would. I think guy. he's holding out. Or guy. I think he's, he's holding out. He's waiting for the right partner. He's waiting for the right partner. Yeah. And maybe, you know, long in one of these movies, he'll have all these mixed feelings and he'll finally go, I love Bucky. I, I love him so listen, much. I just want I just want Steve Rogers to be happy. Me too. Like he these three movies are miserable. All right. I want you know what? I want Steve Rogers and Wade to Deadpool Wade <laughs> to get together and have a few years together. Just some good years together. Wade and Steve. I feel like those are two very abrasive personalities. I don't think that's going to go well. I think, like, he would be <laughs> shocked. I think Wade could show Steve all the ropes, and Steve could, like, maybe smooth over some of Wade's edges. No, I think I think the ship is Deadpool and Spider-Man. Is it? I think that's the, the fandom ship. that I, I see that a lot, yeah. I don't feel that. I'm, I think, I'm going I for... I think they've appeared in some for, comic books together. I'm going for stool. <laughs> Stool. <laughs> I'm going for uh, Deadpool as far as and ship Steve. names go. I don't know. I think Stool <laughs> would be their shit. I think they would be great together. Okay, I probably derailed your notes because I know that you <laughs> took notes for this podcast. I did not. I didn't. I was just finding out on Twitter today that you actually took notes. I don't with like. I don't usually banners. I don't usually. I did at the very beginning because I was very afraid of like being too rambly and. Then you it met me. Ultimately, had no effect. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just if I if I don't write down my thoughts, I'm either gonna like listen back to the podcast. And I'm like, oh, I can't believe I forgot to talk about that, or you know. So happens to me all the time. Yeah, yeah. I don't write down any notes. It's very obvious that I'm the rambly one. Yeah. Okay. Let me get you back on track. So where did you want to go next after 
Are we still? Are we done with First Avenger? Are we sliding now into? Yeah, yeah. Um, I yeah. just wanted to make an honorable mention from mm. Kevin Feige for for putting in that little Black Panther Easter egg when Howard Stark tells him the shield is made from vibranium. I know. Yeah, that's right. We, we were like, we when we when that came up, we were like, oh, there it is. We're like, yeah. snap. Yeah. 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 I that was that. really cool. That was awesome. They really planned that shit, man. Um, but yeah, Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Now, I probably should have talked to you about this before we started airing. But my roommate, who is a much bigger fan of anything uh-huh. um, compared to me, I asked her, because I know she loves Captain America as much as I do. I asked her what was if if she uh, had any thoughts that I wanted to read on the air. Like, what was her favorite movie and why? You can have her on. <laughs> is, she, is she there? Oh no, she's probably she's probably like knee deep in homework. But I do oh, okay. I do have right. some of her thoughts. I had to pare it down a lot. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> but her her favorite movie is um, the Winter Soldier out of the three. And I'm just going to read what she said, and she sort sort of explains why. And this can kind of lead us off into the discussion. Uh, she says, "Oh, her, her name is Harley." I feel like she'll she'll be fine with me saying that. Hey, Harley. Um, so she says, the Winter Soldier at its core is about one thing that I always gravitate toward in stories, loss. And not just one kind of loss either. I love to see how characters handle themselves after their worlds crumble. Steve is working under S.H.I.E.L.D. in this movie, still trying to get used to living in the modern world. He's lost in the modern age, trying to reconcile all the missing time and experience, all the people he has lost by continuing to do the only thing that's familiar to him, being Captain America. And then there's Bucky. His loss is perhaps the most profound. He has been stripped of his identity and turned into something he never asked for. He has been tortured and brainwashed and generally just has lost who he was before he was the Winter Soldier. He is now a weapon in the hands of the enemy. But although loss is reiterated time and time again, so is another theme, that this one more quietly, hope. Steve hopes that he will be able to find Bucky and help him in order to reclaim a piece of himself he thought was gone forever. Sam sees a new partner, a cap, someone worthy to fight beside. Uh, Something about the Winter Soldier is quieter and more personal to me in comparison to the respective solo movies that came out after it. At the heart of the story are two men who just reconcile all that they have lost in order to move into the future together. And that quiet, maybe overlooked sort of message resonates with me deeply, which is why The Winter Soldier is my favorite Captain America movie. Oh, wow. I totally agree with that. I agree with that so much, Harley. I mean, it's one of the things I was going to talk about when we get into Winter Soldier. Is like this is the only per- This is not only a guy from the hood, from where he's from, back in Brooklyn, back from their. Is it Queens? It's Queens, Brooklyn. I want to say Brooklyn. Brooklyn. He's from Brooklyn. They're from Brooklyn. So they, I mean, they like were kids together, and now they're in this future, and they they're the only ones who can put this together. Mm-hmm. They're the only ones who can take this journey. And I mean, I'm not going to re-say what she just said. She said it beautifully. That's exactly it that is yeah. very well well put i totally agree with that yeah awesome and this and this is this movie really sort of catapulted the ship that is stucky because you know he's steve says one line in the film um when asked about getting into a relationship by natasha steve says that it's hard to find someone with shared life experience and i think fans sort of noticed that the only person that sort of fits that description is bucky yeah you know, I mean, Peggy is there, but she's also like 90 and has Alzheimer's, you know. Right. See, and that, but I, I was like, I think the, you've said this. We talked about this when, when we first discovered MCU or when I first discovered this whole Marvel cinematic mm-hmm. universe. 
I was like, it just, I mean, coming this blind, not really watching it in any particular order. I'm like, these guys are from the same cloth, from the same hood. They know each other. I always, I, I'm like, I think these guys are going to eventually re- reveal these Russo guys and Feige are going to say, these guys are meant for each other. You know, and then we're going to hear a bunch of heads explode around the world. <laughs> but I mean, I feel like that's where it's headed, and I don't feel like it's because the show, the the franchise is like, oh well, we got to include it, we got to be inclusive. Yeah. I think it's because it makes sense. I think so too. You yeah. know, and again, we can have many loves in this world. We're not just one true love kind. I I don't personally believe just one true love. I think we can have many loves in our lives, mm-hmm. and and I feel like Peggy was one, and it was a missed opportunity. Obviously, fate stepped in. And then I also think that fate stepped in with, with him and Bucky. And I don't know if they'll ever come to fruition on this or, or their timing won't work out. But I s- certainly feel that there's that connection between those two. There's something very, very, very much there. Yeah. Uh, we were talking about with Papillon. It's like these two guys are in prison and they came from these completely different worlds in their case. And they were pushed together by fate. And that was their they love each other. Mm-hmm. They love each other in a way that n- not that many people or no one else can understand. And I do see that between Steve and Bucky. Yeah, I think the reason that this ship is so strong within the fandom is that it's it's built on such solid foundation, you yes. know. And I, I hear this all the time. You know, normally when you get a really strong vibe like this, it's the writers pushing a certain romantic implication as much as they can without flat out saying it. Sure. They would love to, but then there's the studio and producers that won't let them. And this is very well, what could be happening with Stephen Bucky. I wouldn't, you know, obviously would not be mad, even though, like I said, like, I feel like they work perfectly fine as a platonic relationship. I feel like it could go either way at this point. Again, it might be too late, um, but I feel like maybe, I don't know, like in a few movies from now, like they'll ride off into the, into the sunset together. I kind of feel be like very that's where much... I think they are doing that. I think they're saving that. You know what I mean? The world's changing all the time and maybe they're saving that, you know, for when they can reveal that. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. You know, I mean, because even the couples that we do see kind of actually in each other's stratosphere, when you, we are definitely saying that Natasha and, um, What's Hulk's walk and Steve Banner? The other Steve. Bruce. Bruce. Why do I want to call him Steve Banner? Bruce and Natasha, they definitely, you know, you can see them feeling each other. They still don't get a lot of time with each other. They really don't, yeah. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of time between ass kicking, and now we got half the universe. Uh, emptied out. So we got a whole bunch of business. Uh, Although it looks like you've been sending me some pictures from set, we're going to go back in time. Yeah, so that's going to be interesting. <laughs> We're going to be playing with some time travel. Yeah. So are we going to go back to Brooklyn when, you know, Steve and Bucky were playing stickball? <laughs> Is this from the for the, the next Avengers? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like the next one that's coming along, the next Avengers, is that we're going back in time. Because Ooh, I want to yeah, see. Andre a, was trying all kinds of little of, clues. There's yeah. a picture of, like, 2012 Avengers Thor, like long hair, terrible wig, but long hair and everything. And I'm just like, ooh. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. And one of the know. characters was like a 1970s scientist you found. In like yeah, I was, looking at, I was looking at the IMDb and it was, someone was credited as like a 1970s scientist. There's a bunch of people credited as like S.H.I.E.L.D. SWAT member and S.H.I.E.L.D. officer. 
which is interesting because shield isn't supposed to exist anymore but i don't know i really so it has know. to be back in the day and then when are we going to like see captain marvel when is she showing up you know all that stuff is that going to be in that avengers movie we don't know is deadpool ever going to just show up and like She's she, well, ca- well, um, Captain America, Captain America, Captain Marvel, um, will be in Avengers Four because the actress is credited. She is okay. Um, All right, yeah, yeah. So it's going to be interesting. But anyway, getting back, that's Brie Larson, right? Brie Larson's playing Brie Larson. Yes, yeah. yeah. Right on. Um, okay. one, well, one last thing about Stucky I wanted to say is that Stucky, um, is my favorite ship to read like fan fiction for. Uh-huh. And I'm not even talking about like erotica. I'm just like regular, just like regular fan fiction. Um, only because I feel like the 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 writers that make this stuff, and we'll talk about this more in our, our fandom episode, just really understands these two characters like so well. Mm-hmm. And I really love fan fiction that's like canon compliant. That sort of works because for me, it makes it more believable. I guess. Right. Right. Um. But there, you know, there is a reason why this is the strongest ship in the fandom because it's so it's like one more push for it to be actually true. And another right. thing is like we fans like see how much shit Steve and Bucky go through that just they just want to make stuff where they're just like being domestic and happy and watching movies, which is great because sometimes you need that, you know, this, yeah, and especially in the world today, you know, but. That's what I say about Elliot Alderson. I, I know he's probably not going to survive season four. I just feel like bad things are going to happen to Elliot. But I just want to see Elliot and Mr. Robot just make some popcorn and sit down together and just, you know, watch Back to the Future too. You know, and just roll a joint together. Yeah. That's why I'll just, you know, just order some takeout and just chill. But, you know, that's because there's... You know, that's what I want for Wade, too, a Deadpool. I want, you know, just, just be happy for five minutes. There's <laughs> a lot of that in the, in the fic I sent you. There's a yeah, lot of that. Yeah, cool. A lot of Word. Yeah, but yeah, anyway, back to back to the actual movie. Um, yeah. This, I, I really love this. This is, I probably agree with Harley. This is probably my favorite out of the three as well. Really, it's re- it really goes back and forth between Winter Soldier and Civil War all the time. But this film is essentially a political, like, paranoia thriller more than it is a superhero movie, even though it does handle superhero elements as well. I think this film sort of changed the way people maybe thought about superhero films in that the Russo brothers made a film that requires you to think and really engage in the question this movie poses and show that superhero films aren't about the skept- uh, spectacle and really delves into the man behind the mask, which is a concept that sort of shows up in other future films that deal with the hero behind the mask, like Spider-Man Homecoming and Black Panther. Um, and yeah, there, I, I don't know, like the Russo brothers for me, there, there's something unique that they're doing that just really grabs my attention. Um, and I'm glad that, First of all, that Avengers Four is is in their very safe hands, um, but like I feel like a really good example of the way they work is like the car escape scene, um, where Fury is trying to like escape all those cops, and it's just like the perfect example of the Russo brothers' ability to like create tension and release in a scene where you think you know he's gotten away, and then you see the Winter Soldier on the street, and he you know freaking shoots the the van on its head. Um, but yeah, what do you, what do you think about that, Lisa? 
I mean, I, I, I've, I was so surprised when I finally got around to seeing Winter Soldier. And again, like I, I had written all these movies off as one big blurry, mixing them with DC. I know sacrilege, sacrilege. I understand. <laughs> But uh, but when I t- by the time I got to Winter Soldier, I was like, this is really, really good. Like, there wasn't a, a dull moment in there. Mm-hmm. And you're right, that tension building and release within several scenes yeah. uh, where, you know, you have the through line. You have our Winter Soldier, which is, you know, our, our brainwashed washed Bucky, who is the only really formidable person who can stand up to Steve. And you got Black Widow and you got all these people, like, you know, hunting him down. I just felt like the whole thing was just racing to these crazy conclusions repeatedly. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do I say this? I liked the balance throughout this entire movie. It didn't feel like we were just talking about in First Avenger, where yeah. when our baddie meets our goodie, our black hats and our white hats get together, it, it kind of got jarring. In this particular case, I felt the movie... Uh, blend yeah where and steve is never mistaken for the bad guy but we certainly go aha this guy's been turned you know this is a lot of things get uh, turned on their head for me Mm -hmm. and and blended this film out in a way that i wasn't expecting it sure it was a very mature how do i say this it ended up being a very mature and intelligent action movie which shocked me yeah, I really sense? think. Yeah, I really think it molded how people sort of thought of superhero movies. Then, like, you can barely call it a superhero movie. I think. Yeah, I mean, because Cap is in his suit, like maybe thirty percent of the film. I mean, same thing with Black true. Panther. You know, that's true. And I get. And again, uh, besides the optics of, say, Steve's outfit, you know, and then Winter Soldier, Bucky's outfit. Yeah, it just felt like there was a thriller with like these elements to it. Mm-hmm. it. It was very strange. I was like, I was, I couldn't believe how like intelligent and uh, well put together. It wasn't just this big splashy thing. Yeah, that you expect. Well, I'm I also love well at all. Yeah, what no, you think of it. Winter Soldier. Do you remember it now? It's. I'm trying to. I'm trying to remember it. Bucky. They. He was taken over by Hydra. Is yeah. the weird arm. He's all mean now. He's been turned loose on Shield. You're over there going. No, it's, you know, it's, it's weird. It's like I didn't even look that deep into it. I was just, I just liked it. You just liked it. <laughs> it You're like, like yeah. stuff, things. <laughs> I gotcha. Cool. Well, all right. Cool. Fine. <laughs> You're just going to stare at me. He was like, I didn't make no notes. I didn't buy a notebook. I didn't buy a pen. I watched it the one time. I'm not even going to look at IMDb. Fuck that. Y'all like it or not. <laughs> well, I mean, apart from the fact that it, it is like an intelligent film, it still can be like very much enjoyed at like a surface level. That's how I feel about like the MCU in general. Like, I feel like I've, I've said this before, like in our Affinity War podcast, but like a lot of people think that you have to watch every single film to get the next film. And that yeah. might be true for like infinity war. I wouldn't say you need to see all of them, but Marvel gives you like the opportunity to watch the movie at, at a certain level that you're going to get the bare bones. You're going to understand the story, but there are going to be some references that might go over your head, which is fine. And it's sort of the way about 
that's how this film sort of operates as well because you, you have a very new concept like the whole thing with alexander pierce and how hydra's taken over by shield and i guess you need to know who hydra is to begin with i guess but then you also have like the through lines like you have to know bucky from first avenger and you have to know who uh, director Fury is and Natasha and all of that. And I feel like this movie was also one of the first to start including other characters from other franchises. Right. As well. uh, I was going to get to that. Yeah. Watching these completely out of order and not knowing who the fuck was, you know, anybody. I didn't know who Bucky was at this time or didn't remember him because he's in um, First Avenger so briefly, really, mm-hmm. you think about the time he spent on screen. Yeah. I like how the franchise lets you enjoy the standalone episode. And then as you go through it and you piece them together, it only deepens it. It doesn't frustrate me that I don't know these things. It just deepens it where you go, oh, fuck, yeah, vibranium. Oh, that thing. Oh, there, there's Howard Stark. I was still, like, tripping on Dominic Cooper being... That was a fun. That was kind of funny. Uh, Howard Stark. I was like, oh, yeah, okay, that's... That's That's where uh, Tony gets it from, yeah. Right, the swagger. But so, okay, so and then help me with this. So in the first Avengers movie, not first Avenger, but the first Avengers movie. Yeah. When Tony comes down and lands next to Steve, how does Steve know that's Tony Stark? He was briefed. I guess he was holding that thing and yeah, he in was. He, yeah, he got that that sort of yeah brief. The, the same thing, thing that Tony, like, oh, Tony Mr. had. Yeah. Star- oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. But All he does right. say in Civil War that that Tony said that his dad would like not shut up about Cap ever. Uh, you know, he would hear about him all the time. That's right. Yeah. And then the other thing I didn't miss—I mean, I missed completely until I was watching uh, First Avenger. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm jumping back. It's is fine. when <laughs> so Erskine had that um, Stanley Tucci had that thing that made Cap happen—the formula between mm-hmm. him and Howard and all that kind of stuff—and then Howard messed around. With the formula and ended up working with Steve, Bruce Banner and they've created Hulk, right? Didn't Howard and Bruce inadvertently create Hulk or did Bruce do that to himself with the gamma rays? I thought, I thought it was gamma rays. I haven't seen the Incredible Hulk movie. I need to go back and see it. But they, but Bruce says something in in the first Avengers movie about mm-hmm. like gamma radiation and stuff like that. I don't think it was the same the same serum. It wasn't. But I know they tried to create like other super beings. Yeah. Um. And obviously, a part of that formula is what helped Bucky exist. Bucky, correct? I, yeah. That I think that was the same serum, at least. Because it was the same Nazi a, a guys, yeah, yeah. It was it was the same Nazi kind of guys who were like making stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. I'm yeah. just trying to keep up with all the technology and who did what. So. So Winter Soldier, Sebastian Stan. Everybody's crazy about him. I'm still figuring out uh, who he is. Seems like a nice guy. Everybody loves Sebastian Stan. I love I, Sebastian Stan. I, I had a friend who's so crazy about Sebastian Stan. And the way she was writing that all the time, I thought she was standing a guy named Sebastian. And I'm like, why is she constantly reminding me that she's standing? This <laughs> guy named Sebastian so is very obnoxious. Anyway. I am a stand of Sebastian. Yeah. Yeah. I was just no. like, I know you're reminding me. That's great. I know you're into him. Got it. Got Sebastian Stan is great in that. Like he there. I've seen like a bunch of um, examples of him like 
uh, answering like fan questions about Bucky and explaining how like he his he's really in touch with this character and really takes the time to think about it and the way he's portraying it, which I mean, like, I've, I feel like you can't really say that about all actors. No, um, no, no. A lot of them I are like, like, oh, my God, I'm in this movie. I'm taking the money. Fuck it. What do you yeah, want? Yeah. But, but whereas Sebastian Stan, like, he really takes the time to make it a very believable and sympathetic character. And speaking of sympathetic, so people really think that they still think that Bucky is sort of the villain of that movie. Oh, yeah. I, I don't, why not? No, I don't see that. Is a complete misnomer. He, you yeah. can say he's an antagonist, but he's definitely not evil. Like he is not. Well, first of all, yeah, he's not in, in control of his actions, which becomes a major part of Civil War. Um, but I'll still see him in like you know freaking BuzzFeed articles, like best ten villains of the MCU. Bucky Barnes. Like, no. No. Yeah. And even well, Sebastian Stan is like very adamant about that. The point of that movie is that he's not. He's been he's been manipulated. Exactly, yeah. Exactly. The real villain is yeah. is, you know, Alexander Pierce. Which is great because I love I love when the film presents you with the villain at the very beginning and you don't necessarily know it. You so, don't know uh, it at that. Are we talking about Robert Redford was the villain? Yeah. 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 That's so rare, you know, back in his day he was the he was always the hero. He was the Brad Pitt of his times. Yeah, he but he retired. He like recently retired from acting. Then he did, he did, and you know, well deserved. The man is he's earned his right to do that. So that's yeah. great. Well, yeah, he's he's great in this film. Yeah, and I, I like to see him going out on a high note, being in something that the kids have seen because you know he's got some chops still. He can just go off to tell you ride and like kick it, or his island or all the things that he owns. I don't know. The man's got a lot of money. So Civil War. I was surprised by this one, and again because I watched them backwards. Um, this one was the main one that got me going for me. Hey, I want to know about this Chris Evans dude playing the Steve Rogers dude. There seems to be some depth to him. This was the one that got my attention mm-hmm. on this character. And then, um, there was all this kind of meaningful looks between him and Bucky. And I was like, okay, what's going on? What's happening? Who are these two dudes? They don't seem like these other, they don't seem like the rest of these other people. That's what I started getting curious about who Cap was. Yeah. And then who Bucky was. That was my big thing. Can we talk mm-hmm. about Civil War? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Now, as much as you like Winter Soldier, and I did like that film quite a bit, I like this one out of all three of them. I don't know why. I like, he's not, there's not enough Cap for me in this movie, which is strange because it is a Captain America film. Sure. But I like where he is in this film. Mm hmm. Like, I want to see more of him. I just felt a little bit more development with him. I don't know. There was something more there. And the action scenes were off the chain. Yeah, I think I think Civil War, out of maybe all three of them, has sort of the, the biggest character development for Cap, especially mm-hmm. by the time you get to the end of the movie as well. But, yeah, this film, like, deals largely with, like, superhero accountability, which DC has also done with, like, Batman versus Superman and whatnot. It's really, again, set off another chain reaction of ideas. Um, But I want to ask you, Lisa, if you were sort of put in the Avengers' shoes, would you sign the Sokovia Accords or not? I don't know. I went back and forth the entire time. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I'm like, do you want your ass saved? 
I don't know. What about you? What would you do? I'm I'm like you. I feel like every time I watch it, I go back and forth. I'm like I'm I'm like on the people side, and then I'm like fuck y'all. Well, I but I then feel I'm like. like I find myself more getting on Cap's side only because I'm sort of looking at the government today and I'm like, do I want the government today making these sort of decisions? Probably not. Right. Um, you know, because they, they really don't with the whole Puerto Rico situation and the hurricane. Right. And so I don't know. I don't know. Um, and the MCU has its own sort of, you know, government. They have their own separate president. It's not supposed to be the same. Um, lucky them. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like it's interesting because I wonder how the Sokovia Accords factor into like other movies like Infinity War. Like, is Tony like technically in breach of the Accords because he fights the Black Order in New York at the beginning of the film and he wasn't told to do that? Like, he took right. it upon himself and he was still like destroying public property. Like, is he in breach of that now, technically? And like, what about when they go to Wakanda? Like, they very much made that decision on themselves. But then again, like half of that, half of those people were already on the run because of the whole, you know, Germany airport situation. But does the film in your mind, okay, now it's getting fuzzy for me. At the end of the film, do they, do they come down on a firm decision? Does the film say, does the film take a stance at the end? I'm trying to remember how it ended. A stance on whether the accords are put into effect. Yeah, or yeah, they, they well, are. Here, because... Here's the thing: it wasn't. It it became like non-optional. Right. Like you either sign it or you're an enemy of the state, basically, which is why Cap was on the run. Right. Because they busted out of jail, right? Yeah. 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 So yeah, technically the accords are in effect. There's actually this really cool scene in Spider-Man: Homecoming. Where there's they're uh, they're in the classroom and they're learning about the Sokovia Accords. Isn't yeah, I remember that being funny. Yeah. I was like, oh, I get that one now. Yeah, there's a, there's actually a deleted scene from that movie where they're they're um they're on that bus to the Washington Mon. They're like going to to, to D.C. and they pass like um the the Triskelion, the, the old Shield building, and it says like Triskelion like under repair from <laughs> when the helicarrier helicarriers like freaking crashed on them. Um, again, I love, love little references and Easter eggs like that. Um, but yeah, so they're, they're, well, the film opens in, in Lagos, which is probably my favorite opening scene because it really nails it down to the idea that the Avengers are doing stuff off screen as well. Right. Like they're not just doing things when we're seeing them, which I think is, you know, really awesome. There's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes and it's a great opportunity for fanfic as well. Um, so yeah, opening scene in, in Lagos, uh, Rumlo comes back as as Crossbones um, from the very beginning, and mm-hmm. I wish they they did a, I wish they did a little more with him because he was very much there to to sort of catapult Wanda's arc because she you know like explodes him into the building. Um, but I I did I did like how especially this film sort of foreshadowed Wanda and Visions. Uh, future relationship and arc as well. Um, Wanda sort of sinks Vision into the floor by using the Mind Stone in his head, which is, you know, pretty foreshadowing to what she's going to have to end up doing in Infinity War. Um, 
but yeah, and then the Secretary of State, that guy that we've been seeing in the Iron Man movies and in the Hulk movie, he comes back and he's like, this is all the stuff. And he shows like a play-by-play, like the highlights from the Avengers. Um, I do remember being like very confused when I saw this in theaters because I didn't know what was happening. I knew like the Battle of New York and obviously Lagos, but I didn't know what happened in D.C., what right. happened in Sokovia, um so that that's that's just what happened to me um and then tony's arc in this film is really interesting as well because you open on him and he's doing like that mit presentation and that woman come up comes up to him and says like my son was crushed under a building because you felt like you needed to save the world basically right and it sort of reaffirms his stance in the in the film like, he believes that the Sokovia Accords are essential in keeping the Avengers from becoming too powerful. And it's an interesting, like, jump from one, like, when in Iron Man 2, he assured the government that they didn't need to take the Iron Man suit because he was the only one on Earth with a skill set and the resource to, resources to create the suit, even though he was wrong. Right. And so the stance he's taking in this film is sort of an expression of the lessons he le- he's learned in earlier movies. And that's and that's really just like the writers taking a lot of care and making sure like the the reasons that Tony does the things he does in this movie feel organic yes. and not just sort of like out of character. And I again I I felt the same way I did about uh, the second one, you know, about uh, Winter Soldier. Is that I'm like, oh wow, there's 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 an intelligent thought. There's a through line to this storyline. Mm-hmm. It's not, I mean, because I did find myself going back and forth. Well, they have a point, but uh, but you have to save the world. But, you know, or how do you prevent these people from becoming supervillains? And then looking at the whole Bucky stance, you know, yeah. falling into the wrong hands. And and now you're reminding me to my original point about First Avenger and Tommy Lee Jones. I don't know what his, the character's name was. It doesn't matter. The Tommy General. Lee Jones is Tommy yeah. Lee Jones. Uh, where the CEO is like, you know maybe keep him out of the hands of the enemy because that's exactly what happened with Bucky. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I do. I, I appreciated all the consideration. I appreciated that this, these, the series, this franchise is taking all of these things into consideration. And if you, if you watch them in order, you see how all of this is snowballing toward infinity war toward black yeah. Panther yeah. toward all of these other stories, you know, about responsibility and who we are. Uh, mm-hmm. And I appreciate that. And it's not too heavy-handed. It's not too uh, hitting this over the head with it. Yeah. I think, I don't know. I don't want to be unfair to DC because I haven't done as much of a, a study of it as I have been with MCU. And again, MCU is just a cursory study. So I feel like that's what's always, what I thought was happening with both of these uh, these worlds, DC and Marvel, is that it was, it was all this like, Everybody's talking like this about issues, and I'm like, I can't, I can't do it. Yeah, not <laughs> do this, and that's why I kind of tend to avoid the whole Batman thing. Is that it? Just it comes off like I tried again. I, it was on TV. It was on my Netflix. I fired up um, First Night the Dark other Knight? day. Was it the Dark Knight? The Dark Knight. Yeah. Dark Knight. And I was just like, I can't, I can't do it. I couldn't do 20 <laughs> minutes of it. I couldn't do. 20 minutes of Christian Bale, man, going up. He got to the blue flower, and I was like, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> oh, well that, well, that was Batman Begins, then. 
Batman Begins. Yeah, that was it. Was I was just like, I can't. I'm out. I can't do it. <laughs> I cannot fucking do it because I just it's just too asshole pondering for me. And I try. I can't. Maybe it's Christian Bale. I just can't get around it. I That's can't fair. get around that dude. You know, because I just don't. That's not the place and the time. You know, anything that just takes itself that seriously, it just crushes under its own weight. And I thought that's what these were. But these are like you're having a good time. You got your action. You got your consideration. But, you know, Steve is not there monologuing, holding his shield. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you get these little one lines. These scripts are handled so well that yeah. they're not just falling under their own weight of like avarice and like importance. Mm-hmm. And we were getting to ponder these things while we're also a guy's running around like, you know, tacked on wings, you know, flying over everybody. Mm. The two brothers are like, we don't have any superpowers in our bodies. I don't even have legs. We're just flying around <laughs> handling and shit. So, well, let's, uh, talk, let's talk about T'Challa and how he how he is in this film. Yeah. Knowing, you know, from Black Panther. I know. I was like, OK, OK. Black Panther was uh it was surprising. How was it like watching him in that movie after after you've seen Black Panther first? It was so different. I can't now. I can't unknow what I know about him from Black Panther. So I, uh-huh. I think when I saw this one, when I saw Civil War, honestly, I kind of glazed over Black Panther. Hmm. I did. I was like, oh, he's cool. That's fun. That's a nice guy. There's three brothers in this film. Awesome. That's kind of what I thought. <laughs> Yeah. And focused more on like what Steve was doing, what Tony was doing. And for some reason, I was very distracted by Ant-Man. I was like loving me some Paul Rudd and like a little bit of Black Widow. But I was kind of like this time around, I was like watching everybody going, oh, shit. They got everybody on the playing field. This is kind of it was a lot more incredible to me. It was like, oh, wow. Was that the first time we was, was first time we saw Ant Man too, right? With, yeah, within everybody. No, the no the, the Ant Man movie came out before Civil War. Right, right. Yeah, yeah but I, I'm even talking like all together with all together. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the first time, and I, again, if I once I see Ant Man, I rewatched the first Ant Man and go back, and then after I see Ant Man and Wasp, that's coming out, it's already come out, I think. Then I'll be able to go back and go, oh shit, even more so. But like, that's the kind of the doubling down of like going back and, and even like knowing more about Hawkeye, um, yeah. going back into this one and going, oh, okay, okay. It got, uh, all of these characters were much the richer for mm-hmm. me. But like, T'Challa was like, I really paid attention to him this time. And I yeah. was like, holy shit, yeah. this is so awesome that the Panther's showing up doing his thing. That I, was really I cool. I think that's the way it was for me too. It was like, it was really. I really started just focused on Black Panther a yeah. little bit more. Just watching what he does. Yeah, yeah. I I really wonder whether they were planning this whole thing with like the United Nations explosion and his father dying and, le- and that leading into Black Panther because they did say like Taika Waititi didn't know that when he was setting off Asgard into the spaceship that Thanos would show up and kill half of them. He didn't know that that was going to happen. Yeah, I mean, the writer sort of took that. Because they were, when the, while they were shooting Ragnarok, they were in pre-production for Infinity War. That's what blows me away about this franchise. Yeah. So they, they kind of just took that and sort of went with it. So I wonder if this was the same sort of situation or they were very much like, this is the reason like the Black Panther movie exists is because he's becoming king. So we need his dad to basically be killed in this film. 
So I don't know. What I love about it is that it looks seamless. It looks yeah. like they thought it about it. It does. Yeah. It, it really does. And we mentioned that before. It's like when we were when we were going through the whole thing. It's like these guys thought of the whole thing all the way from through the very from beginning. the very beginning. This is totally seamless. Or they're master thread pullers. Yeah. You know, they've either have this boarded out, and again, you know, because it is the Russos over and over and over again. Because this is Anthony and Joe. And Feige over and over and over again. You do, you can have access to the master board. If you're creating that master board, you know, and whatever they're doing is, it's flawless and lovely. I really do appreciate the master board of this. Yeah. And going back and seeing those early films and seeing the Russos present for that and seeing Feige present for that and seeing a lot of these same above the lines on this, I was like, holy shit, you know? Yeah. And that's how you can, I mean, you can get, different directors but if as long as you have that above them i don't know they're th- directing the whole the whole story of i think it, it's important that it's the same directors because even even in, in like case. like thor was like who like the first one wasn't that kevin kevin uh kenneth brana it was. it was yeah and then the next one was somebody different i guess in the early days it was it was brana and others yeah i don't mind brana it just felt like a different film yeah i feel like marvel really isn't it it's not really concerned with making their sort of character sequels consistent when it comes to like tone. I feel like they're very much um, willing to accept different. I mean, like what look what happened to Thor Ragnarok. I feel like they're very yeah. willing to accept different tones for each movie, which makes me even more excited with what they're going to do with Black Panther 2 and Spider-Man 2 like how is it going to differ from their first movies so i stand corrected i think you're i think you're you guys have it right and i have it wrong that the master board is controlled by above the lines it's the feige it's it's those kind of people who are like they can bring in taika they can bring in um you know the russos they can bring in brana but because they have the master board in front of them they you're right. They were controlling the story, at least. Because when they were making, you said when they were making Infinity War, Andre, you were saying, like, they were talking about how these worlds need to look like their worlds. And they were talking yeah. to all these different directors about, okay, we're going to capture this world. This is Guardians. Now, this is Wakanda. And then this is this over here. So I feel like the collaboration is what makes this work so well. And you don't yeah. hear any, like, infighting on these latest sets. You don't hear any. Big dick swinging. The only big upset of light is like what's happening with James Gunn and Guardians, Guardians 3 yeah. and Dave Bautista saying he may, you know, not turn up for um, 3. You yeah. know, we don't know what that's going to do. Right now it feels pretty derailed, at least with Guardians. Didn't you say they put the whole thing on, on the shelf? Yeah, pre-pro was just starting to fire up. It was only a handful of people who were doing pre, it was almost pre-pre-pro, and they told everybody to go look yeah. for work. Uh, when, you tell, when you release... When you release those dates, man. Yeah, that's... yeah. James, James Gunn had finished the script, but they they did put it on the shelf. So it's it's very much up in the air. Um, but, but like I was telling you, I'm glad that they they shot Infinity War and Avengers Four at the same time. So Dave Bautista couldn't say no to a, to doing <laughs> Avengers Four. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's very much in the air. I feel like in, I feel like when it comes, I've, I want to revise what I said earlier about like the tones. I feel like the Thor movies had a lot of problems with consistency in terms of not only tone, which isn't necessarily an issue, but like sort of the heart of the character. 
like Thor felt very different from film to film to film to film, even when compared to the Avengers films. Like I feel like Thor and Avengers one isn't necessarily the same one we get in Avengers two. I feel right. like the longer he was in the MCU, the lo- the more looser he he got. Like the directors let Crimson Hemsworth like really flex his comedic muscles. Um, but with Captain America, the tones are pretty different, at least from the first Avenger to the Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier and Civil War pretty have pretty similar tones. They're pretty consistent in terms of that. But all three managed to get the heart of the character. I feel right. like the Iron Man movies have this thing as well. Different tones, but I feel like Tony is is tony like he doesn't really change i feel like thor was maybe just like a hiccup there was something going on they didn't really know what to do with him i think mm-hmm. um but what but when you're coming into something like infinity war when you're in inha- when you're inhabiting all these different worlds tone suddenly comes very important because they need to be familiar to the Absolutely. audience and they, and, they, to, and they knocked it out of the park they really did by the time yeah, we get to infinity war totally. yeah Exactly what you're totally. saying. They I, they totally did the work. I noticed not to go on onto an Infinity War tangent. I did notice. I watched the film this past Saturday with my family, which was pretty funny because my mom has never seen an, a Marvel movie, oh, and she's right. seeing this one. She's me. She's me. Now go backwards, mom. <laughs> and Just she she liked backwards. she liked it. And I said, "Were you confused with who everyone was?" She's like, "No, the subtitles told me everything. It was fine." Uh, <laughs> Um, but I did notice when um, Team Cap sort of goes into Wakanda and the music that plays there, sort of the Avengers theme, but you hear like um, a little layer of like the Wakanda theme as well with like the drums and everything. And I had not noticed that until then. So now I'm wondering, did Lovewood Gorenson and Alan Silvestri work together? Like, did they have a discussion about the music? Like, I don't know. I just love that. Uh-huh. Wouldn't be great just to know all these, just to sit around and just know all these. I'd love to just like sit down with Kevin Feige and be like, "Hey, listen, uh, hey. <laughs> Kevin Feige, Here's come a on the podcast <laughs> and go." Don't yeah, what you drink, but here. You but go. in terms of like planning this like huge like linear storyline, um, Kevin Feige certainly lets their director, his directors, they relinquish. He relinquishes a lot of creative control, and he comes in maybe like. In dirt, like in principal photography or a post to be like, hey, maybe you should do the scene a little differently. I can't tell you why just yet, but maybe you should include a scene of them doing this and saying this and maybe just referencing that. Um, I feel like a lot of it is that like he very much knows where he's going. And a lot of it is like passing the baton between films. Like again, like mm. from Thor Ragnarok to Infinity War, like that whole Asgard ending up on a spaceship was not planned. But the Infernal Water writers sort of went with it and used that to start their story. And I just love I, I just love that. There, there is I, I totally agree with this. There is just such an encouragement to win within this entire team. I don't know if it started out that way. I'm sure they had their hiccups. Making big, you know, splashy, expensive movies is not easy. I mean, it is not easy. It's just yeah. basically it's Tetris. It's problem solving but you get the feeling and here's the thing we a lot of times people say they can't tell i can tell if something's problematic and troublesome a lot of that will come to the screen sometimes it actually helps what comes to screen in a very fucked up way especially if it gets resolved but i feel like with this franchise 
that they settled into this really nice, not comfortable necessarily, but like a good groove and a rhythm. And I think it's because of exactly what you said, giving up control, letting people come in and shine, and also supporting people and like wanting them to win. I feel like that's what happens. Like That comes to the screen. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes at all. I don't read anything about how these films are made. But I feel like there's a cohesion there and a support system. Uh, and I'm feeling that on the screen. Maybe I'm, you know, being fooled. But I feel like there's a lot of support there. Yeah, totally. A lot of love. Um, okay, is that is that? Our, do we have any more thoughts on the cap? I did. Trilogy? I did have one more thought oh, about okay, the about know. the ending. Okay. Um, I I have listened to a bunch of podcasts talk about this particular movie in um in general. And there was there was one podcast I cannot for the life of me remember which one it was. I'm so sorry, but one of the hosts said it in a really nice way. In the way the f- film sort of handles um, Steve and Tony's ideologies. So like in Peggy's funeral, where Sharon Carter is like, if someone tells you to move, you plant yourself like a tree and say, "No, you move." And that sort of tree metaphor can really sort of be applied to how Tony and Steve sort of operate when it comes to the things like they believe like with Steve it's very much like he plants himself and he doesn't move like that's these, these are my beliefs I'm not moving from them and that that can be a fault to a certain extent whereas Tony and not to say anything bad about Tony because I love him as well Tony will plant himself and the next day unroot himself and replant himself again and, and act like he's been there the whole time typical and, New Yorker <laughs> And I found that that was a really interesting way to to describe that. And both New Yorkers, anyway. Go ahead. And yeah, like that that final three way battle with Cap, Tony, and Bucky is is really like honestly heartbreaking to watch, mm. especially when you see Tony realizing that Cap knew all this time that Bucky had killed his parents, and the way Robert Downey Jr. plays that specific specific moment is just absolutely heartbreaking. Yes. Like the betrayal is just etched onto his face. Um, and I wanted to ask you, do you think Tony is was justified in sort of freaking out and finding out that Bucky killed his parents and tries to kill him, even though he knows rationally that Bucky wasn't the one doing it? Like he wasn't I mean, in, his, in control of himself. In watching that again, it's the first time I was like, dude, second time I was like, that's understandable. Mm. I don't know if it was justified. I don't think I'd go as far as say justified, but I understood Tony a little bit more on the second watch. Does that make sense? Yeah, no. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I understood it. I understood the reaction. Yeah. I don't think it was necessarily completely justified. It's kind of like the whole thing with Peter Quill in Infinity War, actually, now that we, now that we think about it. Right. Exactly. I'm like, okay, dude, what are you doing at the same time? understandable completely understandable yeah i've i I, i'm not saying this is like completely out of character tony i think it's very in character but i feel like i would have i would have felt it justified if he he freaked out at first and then realized that this is irrational and you know he he was he wasn't in his right mind he was he was told to do it but Tony, like, is out to kill Bucky. He's not there to just, like, beat him up. And that's where Cap comes in because Cap will defend Bucky till the end of days. And Cap very nearly kills Tony as well. Like, very nearly when he, like, sticks the shield into his armor. Um, That whole conflict is is just so interesting. And 
to sort of like top this all off, what what are your thoughts on on the villain of this film? Because the common consensus for a lot of people, I think, including myself, is that the presence of the villain was not very strong and a little bit forgettable. Do you sort of yeah. agree with that? Are you talking about like the what's his name? Zemo. Uh, <laughs> Zemo. I yeah, was so like, you don't even know his name. <laughs> at the end of this, I was like, I t- almost forgot he was in the movie mm-hmm. um, because there were so many other conflicts actually happening. Um, nothing against Daniel Brohl. I loved him. I loved him as uh, he's the young, beautiful Captain Nazi and Inglorious Bastards. Um, he's been in a lot of stuff. I just felt like that he, in this particular case, the villain couldn't stand up to the rest of the material. Sure. Uh, there was like again, we are here for this big throwdown between. Going back to this thing with Tony, this is this is his Achilles heel. Here's the guy who's made of iron, literally made of iron. His two weak places are, are pepper, you know, and uh, but before any of that, the thing that forms him as a young man is the death of his parents. Yeah. That moment that he captures at the TED Talk or whatever it is, that, that place that he's captured in his mind. Mm-hmm. And then you're seeing in Peter Quill's life, his two things are Mama Died, mixtape, and then Thanos Killed My Girlfriend, yeah. his stepdaughter. You know, like, there's the, you're seeing these big, huge moments. So in the middle of this, I'm like, Zemo who? Like, I just totally was like, oh, he was in the movie? He was the bad guy? I kind of... This is one thing I think the franchise could work... Well, I could say it could work on, and then we get Thanos. I mean, they were practicing, I feel like, till they get to Thanos. A little bit. Here's a bad guy. Do you want a bad guy? Here's a villain for you. Here's here's the over the top, you know, skullhead, and then here's the dude that we forgot that was in Civil War, Zemo, and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And then you get to Thanos, and you're like, all you can think about is Thanos. He was the one who came up and just just hit it equally with everybody on screen. Sure. So I felt like he was he was the thing that let the down the movie down for me. Sure. Yeah. I, I I completely agree with you. Um, I love the idea of someone again being sort of affected by the the casualties from the these big Avengers battles. I totally uh, like sympathize with that as you know, and I love the idea that there there's someone out there that wanted to slowly and methodically find ways to pit the Avengers against each other because he know he, he knows he can't destroy them because he sees that past conflicts have been all about destroying the Avengers and they failed. Well, what about if I find out a way to put them against each other and have right. them destroy each other? I thought that was really interesting. The problem is like, again, he's not very present in the movie. So the things he does doesn't feel very dane. I don't want to say dangerous. Maybe, apparent obvious effective yeah, it's like a passive aggressive almost i mean it's it is of, a li- it, you're, yeah to- I, I i totally agree with that i think it is a little bit not, passive aggressive I, I feel bad for again like daniel is a, a wonderful actor don't get me wrong but i feel like the material just kind of at the the aftertaste of zemo is that he was just passive aggressive yeah and he started some shit yeah, it, it was some kind was, of type of way. It was yeah. building really nicely, like him, like weaving him through the story of him learning the the Russian trigger words, like yes. and showing up at the facility at pretending to be like that therapist or whatever, you know. Right. And he sets off the Winter Soldier. 
that was interesting. But once you get to the movie, it's very much like, oh, well, he doesn't really end up doing a lot. No. And I kind of forgot that he was there. Well, the, he, just, and, he, just, and the, he just fired up Bucky. He was just there to like turn Bucky on, you know? True, yeah. And, you know, now that I think about it, I wonder why he didn't try to set off Bucky when they got there. Right. Uh, one of my problems was that it was one of those little ticky things where I'm like, okay, well, we have to have a movie happen. A movie has to happen. Yeah. And they probably talk about these things. I mean, if we see them, uh, especially in a franchise that has all this kind of money and all this kind of talent, if we see this, it was talked about. And maybe it was unavoidable or maybe it would have uh, fixing it would have added another five, eight, ten, twenty minutes to the film if they couldn't afford. Maybe they shot it and couldn't afford to keep it in the franchise. Who knows? But that that was one of those where I'm like, why didn't you just boom, mm-hmm. you know, Bucky, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. The, these and things like we never really know, like to be a fly on the wall when they make these like cut these these edits. It's like, shit. They yeah. agonize over these things because these can make or break your film. Yeah. Bucky in this film partic- in, in particular as well, like now that that he's sort of free from the influence of Hydra, um, he and he's starting he's really trying to like piece the past together and figure out. First of all, why did he pull Captain America out of the water at the end of Winter Soldier? Why did he do that? You know, he's not supposed to know him. And now he's sort of figured out that this whole life that he had before him is there and he can't remember it. And even that scene where where Cap and Bucky are, are in the Quinjet and he's Steve says, you know, you didn't do those things, right? And he's like, yeah, but I did it. Yeah. It's just like, damn, like the way he delivers that line. It's just so sad to me. I think there's and there's that there's a, almost a dangerous thing with Sebastian. Don't don't y'all come for me, Bucky people. <laughs> there's almost a thing where he's almost a little DC-esque sometimes. And I appreciate the lightness. Not not I'm talking about like the lightweight. I I'm, I'm appreciate the literal light from above that comes from Steve in that relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, because that character could skew way too dark, so I do appreciate that. I I love that he owns it and whatever, but I'd I'd like to. Well, Bucky got he passed away into ashes, so <laughs> hopefully get to come back and be literally whole again, mm-hmm. inside and literally out. <laughs> but there's something there that almost skated it to the edge of I'm like, you guys need to watch it. Please don't let you know Bucky be. We're seeing him in the middle of his shit, in the middle of his Stockholm Syndrome, yeah. deprogramming, blah, blah, blah. And then we don't get a, a whole lot of time with him in, in Infinity War because he's on the, the battlefield, blah, blah, blah. I mean, they even they give Rocket the joke, I want to get that arm. You know, they, uh, I just hope that there's, there, we get to bring Sebastian Stan back so we can have some, um, some more evolved moments with, with Bucky. I Well, so, he... Post Winter Soldier. After Civil War, he had like nine more movies in his contract, so oh, wow. it's definitely not the end of definitely. Oh, not well, the good, end of Bucky. good. We get to see Bucky going and buy like a dustbuster. Yeah, Reha- <laughs> rehabbing over there in Wakanda. Yes, rehabbing. Oh, that's right, that's right. He was hanging out with. Uh, okay, I forgot that Bucky was in that. 
Yeah, yes. yeah, he was in the yeah, and like the just totally the, forgot the decision he makes in the post credit scene to sort of go under cryo because he doesn't trust himself. That was very sad as well. Yeah, because you can even tell that that Steve was you know very sad by that. Like he just got him back, and now he has to put him back under. Aww. But it's it's only so sure he can like fix everything, and she ultimately does. It's kind of unclear if he's. Well, I think he's definitely better by the time yeah. we see him in Infinity War. Um, apparently in those two years where Cap was on the run, the Russo brothers said that, um, when Steve comes into Wakanda, it's not the first time that they've seen each other. Oh. Um, when they come back, apparently they've Skyped. Um, I love that. <laughs> see- <coughs> oh, okay. So, oh, okay. you know, Bucky's out in that hut by himself. <laughs> He's White Wolf 6969. Oh, God. Scapping Steve. Going, hey, girl, hey. You know, oh, in the God. privacy of his Wakanda hunt. And Steve's over there in his, you know, his little walk up in Brooklyn. Yeah. Someone someone pointed out, like, when we first see him in Infinity War, like, he's, like, you know, on the ranch with the goats. And he has, like, very greasy hair. And then Zatala's like, Cap's coming. And then the next scene, his hair is, like, all conditioned and wavy. Like, he's got his of makeup course. on. He Rent wants to look stream. good for his man. Yes. Putting his eyeliner on. <laughs> yeah. Covering up his one arm with a drape. You know, trying to make it look not so bad. <laughs> uh, while Shiri's over there hot-wiring something from Radio Shack from Wakanda. Yeah. You know, I'm down for that fanfic if anybody wants to write that. Somebody's probably already written it. Oh, it's out. It's totally out there. We just, totally need, to, there. just need to go on Tumblr anything. and just find it right now. Yeah. Or um, an archive of our own. Yeah. And what, already what, exists. One last thing about Bucky is that, mm-hmm. yeah, they, they're, they're calling him in Wakanda, they're calling him the White Wolf, uh, which is interesting because the White Wolf is a character in the Black Panther comics. Oh. Um, I... Is Bucky in the in the comics at all? Is this Bucky an actual character in the? I don't think he's in the Black Panther comics. I want to say he's not. Is he in the Marvel universe at all, though? Oh no, is he, he is. Star? He is. Oh, he, that real, character okay. has a has a, a pretty interesting story, actually. Like in the in the very first Captain Captain America comics, he was very much like a sidekick character. Mm. Like he was supposed to be, first of all, not the same age as Steve. He was like a boy, like a like a boy wonder sidekick. And then another writer came along and gave us, like, the iconic who the hell is Bucky scene. Like, him being unveiled as a Winter Soldier. And that sort of changed the way Bucky was, was portrayed in the comics. Um, cool. in terms So of, could, he be, could he be morphing into the White Wolf is what you're saying? Does he, could he be switching over identities? Um, I don't know if he's... I don't know if morphing is the right word. Um, I'm, I'm looking it up real quick. I want to say the White Wolf is a villain... And Black Panther, the Black oh. Panther comics. Um, I hope that doesn't end up. I really don't want Bucky turning. That would evil. suck. We don't want Bucky to like turn like evil again. Come on, don't do that to Bucky. Yeah. Um. Let's see. But the kids did call him White Wolf when he woke up in the hut. So that it is his Skype name. Uh, okay. Let's see. Um. When his parents died in a plane crash in the African nation of Mohanda, just north of the border of Wakanda, Hunter, adopted by the Wakandan king T'Chaka, uh, because he was a foreigner and white, Hunter was viewed with suspicion and even contempt by xenophobic, xenophobic Wakandans. Interesting. Um, after the birth of T'Challa, Hunter knew that he, would, he wouldn't be the one to rise to the throne. Feeling cheated, he developed a deep jealousy for his adopted brother. In an attempt to upstage T'Challa, Hunter drove himself to be the best Wakandan possible. It was th- this fervor that led to T'Chaka appointing Hunter 
as leader of the Wakandan secret police, and he became known as the White Wolf. Well, see, we already have that character, though, as in Daniel, uh, Daniel from Get Out. Uh, we already had that character. Oh, Wakavi? Represented. Yeah, we do. So I don't know oh, that I they guess. would... They just might just switch over the white wolf identity to Bucky as maybe a changed man. Or, it, you know, it could also be just like a reference. Like, it could just be that. Marvel right. does that all just the time. A, just a shout out, a little Easter egg kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, at a certain point in the comics, like, Shuri becomes a Black Panther. Um, That's true. I'd love to see that. That would be awesome. Um, but yeah, Bucky, I, I hope Wright. he's doing good. I know he's dust right now. Don't worry. He'll come back. Yes, I know. All those guys, you're not going to, there's, like you said, they signed all this. They're not going to let these people go. Cash yeah. machines in the basement of Disney. They're going to, it's going to be okay. It's going to yeah, be Yeah, so it's Daniel Kalua. He played, yeah, Wakabi. So, yeah. Um, cool. I love talking about Captain America. I'm going to keep my eyes peeled for... You know, I'm going to do myself this service. I'm going to sit sometime maybe in deep winter and just tick through these movies in order, I think. I think I'm just going to, like, yeah, watch one. Yeah, and just have a festival for, like, start, like, Hulk and the whole thing. Just do them by the years and just run through the entire franchise and be like, okay, I know it now. Do it, yeah. And then we're definitely going to do our uh, Mr. Robot um, Rami Malik Festival. Speaking of which, let's talk about some shout-outs we got on the tweeter Yes. Woo-hoo! Yeah. We thank you guys for reaching out. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're going to read some, some feedback we got. Um, yeah. Do we want to say where they can find us to get, to get some feedback? Sure. Please do. Yeah. I'm let me just, at this stuff. You're good at that kind of stuff. <laughs> just pull up my little docket. All right. Yeah. So if you guys would like to get in contact with us, if you want us to read something on the air that you have tweeted at us, you can find us on Twitter Instagram, Facebook, Ashland Podcast, um, at Ashland Podcast, yep. Um, and our website, ashlandpodcast.com. Um, you can email us if it's like a longer form comment that won't fit those 280 characters or whatever it is. Uh, you, can can be, talk, you can hop on Facebook, too. You can get on Facebook. Oh, Facebook, range. too. Yeah, that works, too. Yeah. Um, you can email us at ashlandpodcast.gmail.com. And you can listen to us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play Music, and TuneIn Radio. And so now we're going to read some feedback. This is our Instagram from our Instagram um, season three of Preacher Post. Um, at the 77 artist says she was awesome. I'm assuming whoever you posted in that picture. Betty, uh, Betty Buckley, the Betty legendary Buckley. Betty Buckley. Hello, Betty. I yep. love you. Betty Buckley played grandma in season three of Preacher and she was amazing. She was so good. Yep. Uh, they say, I love season three. Looking forward to seeing what season four has in store. Although there won't be any more Betty Buckley. I know I'm spoiling it for everybody, but oh my God. She was no more good... TC, no, no more, more Jody. TC, no more Jody, and no more Grandma. God, I love the Angelville characters. Yeah, Shit, they were what good. What a good job show. <laughs> good job show. It was so fun. You guys are such a blast. Three consummate actors Betty Buckley, uh, Jeremy Childs as Jody, and uh, Colin Cunningham as TC. You guys are awesome. Yeah, good job, show. Um, and then we got some Twitter mentions. This is from Angeline at Bonsoir Angeline. Uh, she says, just listen to your review of Papillion. It's my favorite review so far. Love your style. Bummed that I haven't been following you sooner. I know, Angeline. I also love, I love, uh, I get your reference, Angeline. Yeah, isn't that a... Is that Bonsoir, a, Angeline. That's an Elliot reference. That's a Tyrell Wellick uh, uh, reference. Nice. I see what you did there, Angeline. 
And she also says, I'm all in for the post Mr. Robot Rami Malik Film Festival, putting in my PTO request right now. Hashtag staycation, hashtag do not disturb. I'm with you. We should just, we should set up a channel. We should just go on like, what is it, Discord and just set up like, you know, a thing with Angeline. And we should drag uh, Andre kicking and screaming into the Mr. Robot fandom. <laughs> hey, I've watched the first episode. Okay, that's cool. And what did you think? Oh, I watched it like a, bu- a while ago. Um, oh, okay. I don't remember much of it. One day. So good. One day. So good. All right. And then also, um, that was it for feedback. But thank you guys for the f- all the follows on Instagram. We've been yes. coming up in numbers a lot. That's great. I'm getting better. Although you guys are going to probably see a lot of me like late night, early morning. I do battle <laughs> insomnia like really bad. And then I also have a strange, I'm in the middle of like writing a book right now. So I have a strange schedule. So I'll get up and just go, oh, I'm going to binge something. We may not do a podcast on it. Like I think we should do a great British baking show in. But like that's, <laughs> you'll just see me like in bed just going, the dog will be like laying on his back and I'll just be like taking a picture down the, the end of my bed or, or sitting on the couch. That's where those pictures go. They used to go on my regular uh, Instagram. But I just want to share them with you guys. Like, what am I watching? So you guys tweeted us pictures of what you're watching and tell yeah. us why why you love what you love. You know, we may not have time to watch it with you, but I'll check out an episode of something that you're into. Totally, yeah. Um, so I was telling Ian, I said, Noel Fielding is one of my favorites, and he's on the Great British Break- Baking Show. And he's on a show called The Mighty Boosh. So we are going to now watch that, and I can show you a little bit of that British comedy and why he's so... Because you like him on the... Oh, he's great. Great British Bank. You're like, I like this guy. And I'm like, so let me show you uh, some of the stuff he's been in. So, yeah. yeah. So whatever you guys are into, like, give a shout out to us and, and let us know what you're into and, you know, and why you like it. Well, you don't have to justify it, but just tell us to <laughs> tell us what you're into. So... Quick, Word. quick public service announcement. Black Panther is now on Netflix. <gasps> Yay! So you can, for those of you who have Netflix subscriptions, you can now watch it over and over and over and over again and make sure Netflix no, never takes it off. Uh, they took That's off right. Captain America Civil War and they took it off a couple weeks ago. I was very upset. Thank um, you. But yeah. And then you still have to watch Deadpool 2. Get your roommates together. Everybody stop doing your homework and watch Deadpool 2 this weekend. <laughs> We just won't get our degrees, and when, you when, just won't. when we're asked don't why, graduate. guys, we had to watch Deadpool too, and that's <laughs> why we did not graduate from college, and that's why we are uh, talking to you from under this bridge. It's <laughs> we yeah, it's definitely going to be this weekend. Definitely, definitely going to be this weekend. Cool. Uh, any other announcements? Any other things that are going on with us? Um, can I can I plug a podcast actually really quick? Please plug um, away. We love some podcasts. So I was podcast hunting um, Sunday night because I wanted to listen to some podcasts on the drive back to West Virginia, which is funny because I really for like long ass drives like that. I don't typically listen to music because I feel like it just makes the drive longer. Does so, it? I feel like it for me it does. Yeah. Sometimes I'll listen to like a whole album just like just you know like that. Um but podcasts for me just like really speed up the drive so I'll like I'll either like listen back to old episodes I've already listened to or just find new ones. And I found found this um Harry Potter podcast and apparently they've been around for like 13 years. Wow. Um, I've seen mentions of them around on Twitter. I've never I've never, you know, got into it until now. And it's a really great podcast. It's a great group of guys and they have like weekly guests. 
um, listeners, Patreon supporters. And right now they're going like chapter by chapter of the Half-Blood Prince book. And so like they'll read a chapter and they'll like dissect it to the very bare bones. And I love shit like that. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, MuggleCast, the Harry Potter podcast, they're pretty much everywhere. Um, their parent website is Hypable. Um, so if you love Harry Potter like me, um, definitely go check them out because they're really cool and they're really funny as well. They're like extremely funny. Um, but yeah, that's awesome. I'm going to listen to them now. I love me a good podcast. I like, I'm always looking for uh, great personalities. Like I'll like a topic, but sometimes I'll go to a podcast just because someone will say, I like listening to these people talk to each other. Cause I like sure, the dollop. Yeah. I like the, the dollop is one of my favorites because you get to like hear a little bit about history. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like sober drunk history. There's a lot of comedy as they're trying to like tell you about a, a topic and they kind of get off in these tangents. And I, I like it for that reason. But I like those two personalities together. Yeah. Uh, when people like mesh. Yeah. I'm surprised I like this podcast because I typically can't listen to Harry Potter podcasts because I get very frustrated in the fact that I can't voice my opinion, especially when they say something that is like completely incorrect and I can't yeah. like, reach through my phone. I'm like, no, that's not the right thing that you're talking about. But yeah, these guys, these the guys time, are great. Sure. They don't, they don't make me feel like that, which is nice. So, well, I'm sure I frustrate cause I'm misspeaking. Like I'll be like listening to the podcast like the next day and go, fuck. That wasn't even the same year. That's well, if you, if you, person. you know, like listeners, if you, if you hear something that is like either you feel like we misspoke or I sometimes I'll, I'll say something it might be incorrect. Like, let us know. Um, yeah, and we can apologize please. for it. <laughs> I love you some corrections. I'm like, I, I am like, I, I, my brain goes a million miles a minute. You take notes. I don't see. It's very obvious. <laughs> you know what I like about the, um, Dax Shepard's armchair expert podcast is that he has Monica, his producer. She does the podcast with him. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I love about the podcast is at the end, like they'll, you know, they, it's edited. So they'll stop down and have a commercial in the middle. And then at the end of it, Monica will listen to it and she'll go back through it and she'll like, go, okay, you mentioned this. That's not true. You said said this that's not true <laughs> that year was blah 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 and at first when i when i listened to the first podcast this podcast was like two hours long kind of like this one um and i was like do i really give a shit about this and now i find that i miss it mm-hmm. now i'm like oh my god i think we should do that on a podcast you know the <laughs> corrections part of the, the podcast. yeah <laughs> it's just like oh because i because I, I caught myself last time in the middle of the uh the stories that changed our lives podcast, you know, going oh, yeah. down a, a, a thinking Scorsese. I was thinking Scorsese like directed The Godfather. I'm like, that's going to haunt me for the rest of my life. I caught myself going, no, that's Francis Ford Coppola. But there's a lot of times I'll just be listening and people are probably going, what a fucking dumbass this woman is. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just because I misspeak. My, my brain, I'll be looking at something like on the computer screen in front of me, looking at IMDb, launching ahead, not living in the present as you should. <laughs> And I'll be just seeing, you know, yeah, that's where I fuck up all the time. So, yeah, you can remind me. It's not that season. That's not that guy. He didn't do that. Yeah, please. It's cool. Sure, yeah. I'm fine. You know. All right. So uh, I think that's going to be it. I love this podcast. We're going to be back with some uh, other stuff yes. that we're doing and we're watching. Ian and I are going to be coming to you with the Ozark podcast. Ozark. Uh, we're going to be doing that. And tomorrow we'll put it up. And uh, Andre, you're welcome to join us to talk about it. Oh, I haven't, uh, I haven't watched it, unfortunately. That's okay. Ian didn't, re- didn't really remember watching uh, most <laughs> of the Captain America movies anyway. <laughs> he was just sitting over here looking at me like, I don't know. I don't remember what happened. I we've liked been, it. We've been watching a lot of stuff, though. We do. We've been watching a shitload of stuff. So, I mean, track. I don't, I, honestly, I don't remember. Have you made any headway in Gotham? 
Um, I'm on episode. We're on episode eight. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'm still waiting for it to get some traction. I love the kid. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of distracting characters on this show. I love the penguin. I love the kid. Gordon's growing on me. Uh, Jada Pinkett Smith is annoying me. Janet trying Smith. To... Is that Fish Mooney? Yes. Oh, interesting. I'm trying to love her. I'm trying not to let her get on my nerves. She's on my nerves right now. So she's very distracting to me. I don't hate her. She's just distracting. I don't know why. She's like shiny jewelry. I'm like, oh, stop. <laughs> uh, so I'm just trying to I'm trying to track with the story. So I need to settle in and, and like just let it happen, I think. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm getting, we're just stopping down and watching this, stopping down and watching that. We're in the middle of watching Snowfall right now. We're watching Better Call Saul. We're about to start Insecure. We have a lot of stuff that are going. So I think if I just... Trying to of, make through uh, Lodge 49. Lodge 49, which is weird. Yeah. I don't know. I'm trying to love that one, too. That one's hard. So I think I just need to focus on Gotham. I don't hate it. I'm not giving up on it. I'm not saying it's terrible. I just can't... Uh, it's not like Christian Bale. <laughs> can't do that. Oh, my God. There's a spider on my keyboard. I'm getting away from the keyboard now. <laughs> there's a spider running right across the keyboard. <laughs> chill with like insects this motherfucker is the size of a car (laughs) what the fuck i'm so glad we're still recording bro (laughs) where did you go motherfucker this dude is the size of spider-man he's huge man (laughs) oh hell no do we have (laughs) i don't want to kill him but man he's big he's big as a motherfucker where did he go where did he go he went under the computer oh he's right there oh motherfucker see See? See? Okay, let's just wrap this up so we can. <laughs> Any Buddhist listening to this? Oh, the uh, the spider will not be harmed. We will escort him outside. <laughs> but he is a, he is a big. He's got a he's got a big old body. Holy shit! Oh, there he is! <laughs> oh man! See, we're gonna gather him up. And take him outside and let him run free. <laughs> okay. Woo! A fitting so end to this podcast. Oh. I'm telling you what. You go to clean out your garage and everything that was in the garage comes in the house. Oh. Holy shit. Okay. Wow. Spider-Man. <laughs> Spider-Man was just here. That, that was homecoming part two. <laughs> I think I'm it's just a two bit. hours of Lisa saying "fuck." <laughs> <laughs> really? That you trying to sit on my lap? I did. I did pee a little. I'm not gonna lie. My, there's dampness in my drawers. That just happened. All right. Okay, you guys take care of yourself. <laughs> I need some wine. Uh, and uh, we will see you very soon. And remember, always, I love you. All right. Bye, guys. Peace. Peace. <laughs>